begins now. Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. And I am Tawanda Henry Beatty. And yes, welcome to the best political podcast on the continent and indeed across continents. Um, know- at least best political podcast on Zimbabwe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely the truth. We've been holding it down for for a while now, um, and yeah, we're in studio. We have a guest today. Henry is uh, yeah, surrounded by Chris's today. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's gang up on 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 this guy who's out there in the diaspora. Uh, welcome, Chris Chenga. Welcome back. I should say you've been here before. Thank you for having me again, guys. It's always a pleasure to be here. On politics and beyond. Yeah. And for, for those who haven't listened uh, to to the first episode we asked Chris on, um, go back and and listen to that. It was one of my favorite um, one of my favorite episodes and uh, there's some predictions and uh, permutations <laughs> in there that <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the Bond Notes episode. Um it was it really was a good uh, episode. It was just before Bond Notes had been introduced into the economy and we debated them quite a bit and now you can't even get bond notes <laughs> anywhere Saga Chris at least they didn't collapse the economy as many people had or as many yeah. analysts ex- experts um, had foreseen I, what did you foresee you, you, no I was of the contrary view um, it seemed most superficial critics of bond notes thought they were going to be like the end of the economy and whatnot but hey we a few months in um, they've served to a certain extent their purpose, arguably to a point where um, the question is not whether they're actually good medicine. The question is, have they been um, dosed off enough to be potent? Which is two different things to what most n- critics were saying. I think I think someone would I would argue that so you know the definition of a collapsed economy in our context is it needs needs more needs further refining, <laughs> but. <laughs> But you know, I'll give it to you. You did. I did. I was very doom and gloom, and I did say that they will flood the markets with the bond notes, and they have not flooded the markets with the bond note, thankfully. Um, so yeah, we'll just see how you know. Maybe a full bond note review with you another day would be would be would be necessary. But that's angu- not what we're doing today. Yeah, <laughs> but like uh, right now, I could I could use some bond notes. That's all I'm Actually, saying. Actually, um, just the other day, um, I do know the RBZ governor had a presser with media editors and whatnot, and part of the conversation, the revelations are actually like in in stores in Lusaka. You know, in Zim- there are Zimbabweans in Lusaka. And they're actually using bond notes in Mozambique. They're actually using bond notes. So. I mean, hey, we don't know. We'll see. But it's an interesting phase in our economy. Yes, yes, indeed. Today is the 14th of June, 2017. Uh, Up on the lineup, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that have been happening in Zimbabwe uh, that that are affected by politics and uh, some political issues. There was the bus disaster that happened last week. Mm -hmm. Um, ZANPF is holding another youth interface rally so we'll look at uh, why it is only when those things happen that you know towns and cities get it spruced up uh we'll talk about shingi munyeza who put out a um what what's the name of the thing that he put out i'd call it advice and warning from the watchman advice and warning from the watchman yeah so we'll go into that a little bit 
Um, and then we'll talk about business people as politicians. So you've got your likes of Iye Shingi Mnyeza. Uh, <laughs> who else has been touted? Nkosana Moyo, he's been touted. He was he worked S- at... Uh, Strive Masiwa. Strive Masiwa, his name's been out there. But uh, <laughs> and, and you've got the rise of businessmen actually taking political office. Donald Trump and uh, uh, Macron in France. So there's, there, there is precedent for it. So yeah, we'll go into that. We have uh, a guy who likes to talk business with us, Chris Chenga Saka, who open up the floor to to hear what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I guess you can tell me about this King Lion disaster, and um, you know, I heard it's an unfortunate incident. I haven't really National kept the rest of it. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was uh, actually proclaimed a national disaster. Um, a King Lion bus, which was traveling from Harare to Lusaka, uh, had an accident along the Harare-Chirundu Highway, so around uh, Nyamakati, I think the area was, and 45 people, I believe, died in that uh, bus crash. And reports are that the driver was speeding. Um, not sure how fast he was going, but it says he was speeding, and then... Supposedly 140 k's per hour. So, yeah, which is for a bus, that's what, 60 k's over their limit of 80. Their speed limit, yeah. yeah. So, and then he lost, you know, control of the vehicle, I believe, and he went into a tree. And if if anyone has ever traveled on that road, I, I traveled with a King Lion bus two years ago to Lusaka. And one thing as well, they were traveling at night. And that road, one is thin, two, it's got quite a lot of potholes and three it's curvy and hilly so it's a bunch of up and downs you're doing curves and the road is quite bad so speeding 140 on that road in any vehicle is really mm-hmm. just setting yourself up for disaster that's the first. that's the kariba that's the kariba road yeah uh, that's yeah that's the that's the one that goes oh, that to kariba is, that road is terrible yeah yeah so so that road i don't know why you know he was speeding um I, I maybe he was trying to get to the border i think the border closed at 10 but regardless that is not an excuse because you have people's lives in your vehicle and you you must be a responsible individual and take care of people's lives and i understand that you know some of the passion passengers complained about how fast he was going and asked him to slow down in banquet in shinoi in karoi and still, he didn't adhere to their requests. Yeah, now that's very, very, very unfortunate. And I think that, you know, I think, uh, we, I, but these, isn't, these aren't the first, like, similar type of road accidents and bus disasters um, that I've heard of. Um, certainly not the first time that people have had car crashes in, in public transport along that road. And until there's serious, um, either something legislated or some public policy harm for the actual companies, then the owners of these companies are going to keep um, putting these pressures on their bus drivers, and the bus drivers are going to keep running to these to these crazy deadlines. Because I think that if it's not helping the own, if it's not hurting, sorry, the 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 pockets of the owners, um, then they have no incentive um, to really change how their their buses are run. Yeah, I I agree. There needs to be definitely needs to be policies put in place. Um, also, this is something that goes without saying. They need, then the roads do need to be fixed. 
um, that will aid and assist just travel of individuals. Um, and also, you know, some people have called for a ban on night driving for these buses and trucks and that sort of thing because this isn't, as you said, the first bus disaster and a lot of them tend to happen at night. So, I'd, I don't know, we do hope that um, something happens and that there is a change and that the owners take responsibility because, again, as I said, you are transporting people. This is not or something you have people's lives in your hands so you must you must be very conscious and responsible of that fact yeah um so yes yeah. my condolences to the people and i do mm-hmm. wish a speedy recovery to anyone who was injured in that accident yeah and uh, I, I, I understand just um kudos to the government because i i was just reading up about it here quickly that um when a declaration of um a state disaster is made um you know it entitles the deceased in that disaster to some burial costs uh, 200 dollars mm-hmm. i think um just it's you know it's it's a money that's obviously goes to towards their burials and it's always necessary so i think at least there's a little bit of something that's happening and i'm sure that the the business world and and others have gathered around to try and help um, the families of these people involved in the disaster. And there's even been lawyers who've reached out to, you know, to offer legal recourse and legal remedies. But I think um, we'll just see how it plays out because I think it's really something that needs to be tackled not on this individual basis, but on a larger, like, you know, a much larger um, societal level. Yes, indeed. Um, moving on. Other things happening in the news. There's something I wanted to talk about um, that I just thought of now, and that's uh, Professor Moyo dropping his emails on the Twitter timeline. Um, he did it to he dropped the conversation he had with Fadzai Mahere, and um, the other I think it was on Monday or Tuesday he dropped a conversation that he had with a journalist. I think his name is Richard Chidza from Newsday as well so just uh, a quick tip if you're going to be emailing <laughs> chris if you're going to be emailing prof moyo um, use it against you yeah be prepared because he might just expose it onto his twitter timeline but i don't know why people i i, I don't know maybe i thought i feel like in this day and age you must communicate already assuming um, people are going to are going to maybe it's about me and 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 Gujera, Gujera, you know Askana because me I already assume that if you say anything in a message someone is going to take a screenshot someone's going to take a screenshot so you're not you're not sending a message to that one person nigga so you always need to protect yourself anyway yeah but but you wouldn't expect honestly you wouldn't expect it from number one a a grown man let's let's just he's be the honest. pettiest man in the country my God. <laughs> You see, so you have, number one, a grown man, and two, a, a government minister. I mean, you'd expect that certain conversations are, you know, private. I don't know how you feel, Chris. Um, when anybody is representing an office, it's very hard for you to distinguish personal from office. In the sense that, assume what was in those emails, or assume those emails were released by the counterparty. What if the professor was speaking... Um, out of line, what he was saying, unruly things. Would you, would you judge whatever um, um, text it was 
based on saying, oh, those are just the professor's comments on his own, or would you judge his office? So my, the moral, my emphasis here is when you're engaging anyone who holds a public office, the best assumption is there is no personal conversation. Hence, even in your medium of exchange, whether it's through text message, through you've just got to assume that um, it, it's of public interest. Hence, so for me, looking from that counterpart, I'm not too judgmental or crit, crit, critical of him leaking those because that's his office. Um, that is the nature of the environment in which he operates in. So I'm not too... I would just advise people who approach people in public office to do it with caution, knowing that they're um, responding or they will act in terms of paranoia of their office. So I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaked my conversations with them because I know he's in that box. Fair enough. I just I, I didn't expect him to do it. It came as <laughs> it came as a bit of a surprise. I mean, I, th- I sh- surely there's other ways to handle these things, but you know what? It it is. It is his prerogative to, you know, um, handle his business the way he chooses. Yeah, and I mean, I think what's um, why it was so um, interesting for those that aren't on the group and for those that um, here are speaking of the politics and beyond uh, uh, WhatsApp group, you can go and join it. Um, uh, the links should be on our Twitter's personal Twitter feeds. Um but we had this conversation in the actual group and a number of people were saying before um, the emails were leaked that um, Fadzi is going to lose, um, you know, Fadzi Advocate Maere is going to lose some credibility by interviewing Professor Moyer. And I I was against it. I, I genuinely thought that, you know, she had nothing to lose in as far as that um, credibility because, you know, I assumed that, you know, the, the way she would conduct herself would make her beyond reproach. But by leaking the documents um you know there's particularly one line where where you know he she offers him questions before the interview and um you know it's it really did <laughs> make her lose some of that um or at least not so personally in her personal capacity but her show lose that hard line hard talk type of um why do people have that assumption that, though henry why because because That's it said on the poster, yeah, on the poster it did say tough conversations. So so based on that's, that, it's literally those are exact words. So so, you, so based on that, tough conversation if it's live broadcast, you can't be offering someone questions ahead of time. My from from, from my no, stance, mm-hmm. yeah, carry on. Is you can have I I don't, I don't agree with the popular assumption that a tough conversation is based on the element of surprise or someone not um, being. Um, um, not knowing the questions you're going to ask them. At the end of the day, you're engaging somebody who's either incumbent in a certain office or he holds title in a certain context, right? So for you to, bet, for you to create that platform of engagement, you've got to both be conscious of what are you going to be talking about, right? So it is not odd or um, assume take the, we just spoke about prof, assume hard talk. The assumption is hard talk, you don't have, it's uh, no holds bars. And the assumption is that there were no preconceived questions. That's nonsense. The man doesn't fly from the UK to come and sit with um, Professor Moyo and then start firing away. You've got to have context. What are you coming to talk about? Which topics are you going to engage? So it doesn't mean that since Fazai sent 
um, or effort to send questions in advance, she's going to draw back on her impartiality. That's not that's not where I, my point was mm-hmm. in as far as the live part of the interview is that the a lot of the marketing was around the fact that it was live and we would get to interact with the professor in that setting in the way Facebook live videos have been had before. Mm-hmm. So obviously if there's going to be a predetermined question list and everything like that, then people's questions aren't going to be taken. Gotcha. That's my assumption. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think it was just on the prof's part i think it was you know it it surprised a lot of people and i think it was it gave insight into the kind of person he is and the kind of interactions that you're having i do agree with you chris that you know you you certainly can send you know questions and um topics, topics of that, interest yeah, topics that you're going to discuss and then how you then frame the interview will determine how it you know comes out when it's being broadcast um, moving on to our other topic, which is uh, ZANPF. I think we'll run through this one quickly because we've spoken about their youth interfaces. Uh, there's another one happening this Friday, I think. Yes, Friday the 16th in um, Mutare. And uh, they've been cleaning up the city pretty much. I think the same thing they did with Marondera. New roads, some vendors have been displaced. Um, and uh, of course, it's because... HE is coming to town, but it's it's you know it's it, it it begs the question. First question is where's the money coming from, and second question is why haven't these things been happening, you know, since whenever it was? Like why are city councils rushing now on deadline day when you could have done this before? Because if you can find the money now today, it means you probably could have found the money before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, guy, you've got money coming from the ministry. Ah, fair enough. You've got money coming from from the ministry and directions coming directly from the ministry. Um, So it's not necessarily that they've got the money, it's that they've all of a sudden have funds available to them. Um, So the problem is local government. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit unrelated, but it's it's interesting, um, you know, to talk of how the ministries, how the city council and the ministry interfaces. If if anyone has a chance to go on, uh, the mayor bit, uh, of Harare's Facebook page and also Rusty Markham, who's a Harare City Councillor's Facebook page. And um, they're quite public about what some of the constraints that they have. And one of the things that they speak about is that, you know, these mayoral positions aren't executive, first of all, and how, you know, funds aren't availed to them because town clerks and others are, are appointees and are often political appointees that has to be agreed to by the minister. So if you're a councillor working... Um, and the the, ex- the executive or the, the business side of, of the city council doesn't avail funds to you as a councillor, you can't do anything. Um, for example, Rusty's been trying to get a part fixed in a, a, t- a dump truck for weeks, but they've refused to sign off on the $2,000 needed for it, so he can't do anything about it. So I think that once the minister says you can release money, people are more willing to do so. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that's a... Uh another uh, bureaucracy issue and a problem of um, local government or the central government trying to control the municipalities and towns, which, you know, is problems on its own. And the situation you find is that a lot of these cities and towns, the major ones are in the municipalities. Uh, The opposition controls a lot of these municipalities. And so there's this fight between 
the central government, which is NPF, and the MDC, which is usually in control of some of these municipalities. So, yeah, we'll see what happens at the youth interface on Friday. I'm sure it will pretty much be the same as the one that happened in Marondera. Um, there was a Politburo meeting today. I doubt anything spectacular is going to come out of that. We're in campaign season. So, it's, you know... Can I, can I just say something about that youth interface? Yeah. Um, there's lots of uh, dance or artists going. And to the youth in, in Mutari, you must go to that youth interface and enjoy the music. And if there's food, go and eat that food as well. <laughs> like, go freely, go and enjoy yourself, have a good time. Because, you know, going to a rally or interface doesn't mean that's who you're going to vote for. So if there's any anyone who feels that they shouldn't be allowed to enjoy dance or music, because all of a sudden that they, this person has performed this in Mugabe rally, don't be ridiculous, because that's not where you vote for. Two things, interestingly, now that you brought that up. The first is that, um, so apparently the MDC has been putting out flyers to say that people shouldn't attend these youth, yeah, stop people from attending the youth interfaces in Mutare. And the second thing is that, speaking about the dancehall artists, I think Soldier Love is one of them, but you find last year Tuku got a, quite some flack for performing at the Million Man March um, people were on about we should boycott Tuku because he's performing for ZANPF and, and all sorts of things. And I saw a little bit of the conversation being brought up again this time around with Anna Soldier Love. So I don't know. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on, on these things. Personally, I think, Sha, I'm an entertainer. I'm getting paid. Saka, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to do my job. But yeah, I mean, I mean. On a quick point of correction, on the on the MDC's flyers, they they they're saying people have a right. That from what I've seen, um, and I'll try and make this public. Um, from what I've seen, the flyers say you you shouldn't be forced to go to rally. You don't have to be forced. Ah, it's okay. not saying don't go. It's saying okay. you don't have to be forced. All right. Fair so enough. if you are going to work, you can go to work. That's I think that's a slight difference there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. I stand corrected. And I think if you're an artist and you have a schedule to fill and you're um, asked to come and exercise your profession, um, I do think you should go to perform. Um, whether um, you, there's a politician there or not, that is secondary. Um, go and perform. But isn't it endorsing the politics of the day? No, it's not. Or the oh. political party or the politician? It's endorsing your set. Um, if he wasn't paying then perhaps you can put an argument where are you not endorsing um, the, the politician or not. But if you're getting paid for exercising your services, I don't see how that um, is perceived as if it was an MDC um, youth imp- interface and whoever and such and such went to perform, would the assumption be that they're endorsing MDC? Yeah, of course. You know how this country, <laughs> you know how this country <laughs> is. If he does, if he does a slogan, he's endorsed. If he does a slogan, yeah. If you if you do a slogan on stage, but I don't know. I, 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 got, last... the, I got the person in Mandu. No, that's very rhythmic. So yeah, what if it's in the song? What if it's in the song? Anyway, um, yeah. On to Doctor Shingi Munyeza. We've actually covered quite a lot of topics, um, but on to Doctor Shingi Munyeza. He's got this Watchman thing, um. The 2018 Harmonized Elections, Advice and Warning from the Watchmen. Uh, So there's three parts, advice to the Zimbabwean voter, 
to the opposition parties and to the ruling party. I will speed read some of these and we'll post it on our uh, Politics and Beyond Facebook page just for those who want to go through it. Um, advice and warning to the Zimbabwean voter. Ours is a constitutional democracy and the only way to change governments is through the ballot box. Those legible to vote must register when registration opens. The urban citizen is the number two. The urban citizen is the most vocal when things go wrong, yet voter turnout is below 30% compared to rural vote turnout of over 70%. Ensure you vote when the day comes. Number three, during this time, you will be given all sorts of enticements to vote for certain political parties. Please get whatever is on offer, but separate the gift from your vote. Four, always know your vote is your secret, no matter what tricks are used on you. Blend in your safety and security. Blend in if your safety and security is threatened. Five, ultimately it's individual candidates that form a government. Vote for the individual and not the party. Advice and warning to opposition parties. There's never going to be a level playing field. The ruling party will never reform itself out of power, so plan to participate in an uneven electoral system. Two, in life it's easy to become the very thing you're fighting against without noticing. You don't have the intellectual you don't have the intellectual property to the struggle you are fighting. Three, whilst rolling out of BVR, the ruling party will roll out its own membership electronic its own membership electronic membership registration. Learn from the old fox. Four, less than ten percent of voters are on social media. Concentrate on grassroots structures. Social media is both entertaining and misleading. Beware of fake news. Five, candid candidature is key, therefore you must ensure it's bottom up in representation whilst demonstrating leadership. Uh, no one lives forever, and don't and you don't have to be the only one to accomplish everything for everyone. And then to the ruling party, it, one, it's evident that you're entering another election with all the ingredients of Boram Sango. The nightmare of March 2008 can be relived. Two, your worst enemy is your political opponents. Is not your political opponents, but the economy. There are no signs that this is going to be fixed soon. You will lose against the economy. Don't intimidate or command it. <laughs> Three, indeed, without your proposed presidential candidate, the party will disintegrate into at least three formations. It's too late for succession fights. Four, people are not stupid, therefore avoid make, making nauseating and abusive statements to the voters. These statements will backfire in due course. And five, actually, the common person would not be worried about who is in power only if you fielded credible, righteous, and hardworking candidates. Your undoing is the nature of your candidates. So, there it is. That's uh, advice and warning from the Watchmen. What do you guys think? We'll start with um, for the voters. Um, Chris can go ahead. Um, my, only just, I don't know if my only comment yeah. is Watchmen is superficial. How so? Um, I have to be wary in my response because at the end of the day, I would have to ask you, is he being an analyst is he being a political consultant where is he standing depending on whatever he determines to be or he's just sharing his opinion if he's just sharing his opinion he's allowed to be superficial but if he's trying to be a political consultant as his tone suggests or to be an um, electorate analyst analyst like he's also suggesting he's um pretty superficial take the idea of What's that comment again, Chris, if you don't mind reading again? Which one? On you can't something the economy or command it. Um, yeah, your worst enemy is not your political opponents, but the economy. There are no signs that this is going to be fixed. 
you will lose against the economy yeah, don't you lose it or command it let's assume there are no signs that the economy is going to be fixed what is he talking about because all metrics um let's take statistics for example the world bank actually explains expects um growth this year so what is he talking about what is he placing it on um you've had profitable companies on the zimbabwe stock exchange so what is he pointing at he's just pointing superficially to public mood and sentiment when he talks about you can't command an economy he's taking shots at the command agriculture right yeah. on what facts and, and analysis is he talking about command agriculture um just last week um seedco is giving out a 10 million dollar dividend now for a stakeholder who's benefiting from command agriculture yeah government can control things can command things to to that extent and it actually works so the watchman is pretty superficial <laughs> henry um i i tend to i think i think i i tend to i agree with the initial analysis that it's superficial but not for the same reasons given above quite clearly um i i think that it's superficial in as far as that most of the 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 advice given is um you know pretty apparent to everyone these are things that people have been saying so I'm, my, my, apparent my makes it is, superficial henry this is exactly yeah, that's my point that's what i said guy that i said i agree with you guy that's okay. what i'm i'm saying i agree with it's, yeah, okay. it's, it's he, so he disagrees it's, it's on the so, economy point i i'm i'm not necessarily even about the economy point i'm just saying for even a wider range of of of, of reasons of issues than okay. oh, gotcha. of reasons okay. than just the economy economy points um and what what really i do take um sort of umbrage with is that there are these pseudo political actors who have don't have the guts to get involved in opposition or or, or ruling party politics and think that because of the few cents and dollars that they've made in their careers Henry the is such a legend given an on, <laughs> you, given you, an honorary degree somewhere in the world that such they can a all of a sudden decide to have an, oppos- an op- opinion on what's going on mm. in this country without really putting their fingers into the pot And to carry what Henry is saying. Here's the thing. It's about time um the watchman makes it clear on what stool is he hanging his hat on? Is he trying to like I said he's allowed like any other citizen to air his opinion, right? But is he trying to enter the political arena? Is he trying to be a political/economic consultant? Is he trying to be an analyst, right? He's got to make his intentions clear. Where on what foot is he standing on? Because at the end of the day, it seems perhaps superficially from myself and Henry maybe that this man is knocking on the political door now if he is he should make his intentions clear so that we can slash him the way we slash all other politicians <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but clearly he's been slashed right now and i suppose and and to be fair i i completely agree that this is not new i mean it's 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 it's, it's what everyone has pretty much been saying for for quite some time register to vote take all the free stuff and you know your vote is your secret um opposition parties this is where your failings are it's it's you know the government isn't going to reform itself out of government so my 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 issue with it with um this uh information and and is like i have with all sort of activists um is he an activist with let me I'll, and i'll put activists in quote mm-hmm. and i'll put a whole bunch of people in there is at the end of the day yeah fair and fine you've said all this but to what end like we're getting towards the business end of you know the political season what 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 are you what are you actually 
hoping to achieve? You know, where are you trying to lead people? When you tell people these things, what is it that you're hoping people to do? And it's, you you know, everyone then comes back and says, ah, but everyone must participate and everyone must think. Yes, fair and fine, but people also, there's a large mass of people, and this is voters, however million of them they are, that really are looking for options and looking for someone to vote for. So at the end of the day, the conversations must be steered towards political outcomes. And this, I don't think, has political outcomes. It's, it's just, you know, loose advice being given to anyone who's willing to listen. Sorry, to add to what and, Chris and is saying. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. No, no, I'll ask you. To add to what Chris is saying, I would look at it more as Zimbabwe needs to come to a point where we hold each other accountable. Iron sharpens iron, right? This is why I'm saying he needs to define to what extent a stakeholder he's sending out his message. Is he saying it as an analyst? Is he saying it as a consultant? Is he saying it as a political hopeful? Because you can't be in the middle, okay? If you're going to make yourself so overt, at least stand by your, 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 your stool and make people know what exactly you're standing for. Now, the assumption here is... Now, also, there's also this idea that he's supposedly a successful businessman, right? Hence, we should take credence. <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly, because depending on what your analysis is, in some instances he is, in some instances he's been, he's, he, but that's a conversation for another it's, day. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, Henry. It's, 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 in any, I mean, personally, like, I, not to offend people that are, are religious, even Kazitakachu, the watchman, it, it has this, this moralistic, you know, connotation of. Is he standing of, on a religious of, hat? Of judgment. Over, over people as if he's somehow above. And I mean, look, let's not take away the advice. It's, it's sound. It's, 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 you can't, it's sound. It's, it's quite apparent advice. It's people, things people are saying in many different ways. But at least when it comes from Mama Gaisa, you know who he's a political analyst. When it comes from the Herald, you know that they've mm-hmm. got their agenda. When it comes from me or from Chris or from yourself, you know where people are coming from. But this, this overarching watchman, it just it's suffering an existential it. crisis. But but, mm. but I mean, he's he's a pastor and a businessman. So let's take it from the perspective of him being a pastor. Then so that's not good enough enlightenment. Church, he goes to his boardroom. <laughs> if he goes to his church, he goes to his boardroom. Either, because no, that's but... not good business speak. <laughs> and it's not good religious speak. That's what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> no, but he, he also has freedoms. got to express his thoughts and, and, and There's also this issue that in Zimbabwe. We feel like because there's this social esteem we have of successful business people, we think they make good political either voices or potential candidates. Which, yeah, let's let's go into that because that is the next um, you know aspect of it. You have Shingimnyeza, who's wait before you go. What yeah. is he a doctor of actually? First of all, um, yeah, the, if 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 I'll look it up. Let me actually do that. It's an honorary. Um, is it honorary? Yes, I can remember from which institution. From that one in from that one in Malaysia. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm 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 really not sure. Um, business career. From Solusi University. Yeah, I think that's where it was. That Solusi is a local university. So Seventh Day Adventist Uni. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh with an honorary degree. Right, I would welcome it. Ah. Um, 
But then my issue is I think you have to pay like what three thousand dollars. No, no. But then what I'm saying is, can... let's not take away from the idea of honorary degrees because at the end of the day, you've got to have some sort no, no. of societal, educational something impact. And obviously, to them, he had so whatever Chris, impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting an honorary degree like Beatrice Matetwa get got from from Rhodes University or this university is very different from. It's also about it's the same thing with not just your actual qualified degrees. If you're getting a qualified degree from from Lotito University, it's very different from getting one from Rhodes or UCT or from Harvard. Like it's it's the same way we judge everything. So I would offer an honorary degree from a small university. The same gotcha. way I would, I would make, an employer would look down at a bachelor's from the same university. I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. Um. But yeah, we're talking about um, business people and. Um, you know, entering the fray of politics and with the, I don't know, you, you had your opinions on that, Chris. Um, judging from the watchman, business people should stay away from politics. Um, why do I say that? There's, um, nah, well, I mean, there's no right or wrong, to be honest. Um, however, what I would say is the popular assumption that successful businessmen or supposedly successful businessmen make for good political candidates, I think is a bit um, superficial, a bit idealized. Why? The objectives of a business and the objectives of government are two totally different things. Um, Business, to a large extent, it's agreed, has one objective function, which is to make profit and attend to stakeholders, right? Governments do not have a single objective. Governments have a plethora of objectives, which, to a large extent, are removed from your typical executive or your entrepreneur, right? I'll give you an example. You've got public goods, um, such as your post office. Assume somebody in Dotito. It is not the most profitable, or for a business case, it doesn't make sense for you to have vans that go and deliver mail to Dotito every day, right? So in terms of an economic case, a business case, Dotito is basically marginalized from your public mail, right? If you ran it like a business. It does not make business sense to go and deliver mail to Dotito every day. There is not enough volumes for it to be profitable. Now, from a representative point of view, of which government is representative in a republic, would you want a politician who runs that shrewdly in your, um, to dictate government policy? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So there's an existential disparity between what a successful businessman is aligned to, typically, and to what government's aligned to. Now, obviously, the other... Um, aspects such as um, understanding efficiency, understanding um, being driven to have results, which apply to a governmental context. But what I'm just trying to say is there is no, it does not mean that a successful businessman will be a successful um, in, in a governance capacity. Yeah, so, I think that was... Uh, he was quite comprehensive because he preempted my point about the, the, that business people generally tend to have a drive to, to efficiency or drive to urgency that um, people you find politicians and, and civil servants um, often don't have. Um, I, I don't think that um, businessmen have any more um, more skills that make them better qualified mm-hmm. for for public office than lawyers or doctors. I think that um, at the end of the day, it's really about individual candidates. So I wouldn't disqualify business people based on the fact that they're business people is, is mm-hmm. where I sort of get. I don't think that they're any less qualified than a lawyer. For, for There's lots of 
good qualities that make lawyers suitable for public office, but there are also lots of, you know, issues that make lawyers unsuitable for for for, <laughs> for public office. So so I, I wouldn't I, I and teachers are the worst for public office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually yeah, I don't know. Did we have this discussion on the show before about about Yeah the when Alex was over on the show. Yeah, so it for me I, I've said teachers mm, mm, I don't know. I te- think you see but then here's the thing. You've gotta have for me I think in my politicians I'm just looking for somebody who's socially um, conscious and can deliver on that conscience, right? I'm looking for someone who's socially conscious yeah. and can deliver on that conscience. Mm-hmm. Be- and that doesn't mean that, does that mean teachers are not socially conscious? No. Does that mean business people are not socially conscious? But I just think that there's an overemphasis in Zim um, society to assume that because he's wildly successful in business, it means he would be good... Um, um, at, at running a at country. Running. I think this no, but you know what? The thing is, I think fro- the perspective a lot of people are looking at it from is that we have an economy that is struggling, mm-hmm. right? And because of that, people are looking for somebody who could, if you take Run it like a business. Stay for example, Strive Masiwa, right? Mm. He has a very successful business, mm. right? So if you can apply that to running the economy aspect of it, mm-hmm. And because our economy is run from a political perspective, where mm-hmm. the politics dictates how the economy functions, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what it is that people are, you know, addressing, and where and where the desire or po- potential desire or interest in a businessman actually stands. I'll give from. you another example. Yeah. RBZ. So, so, Chris, before you before you answer, yeah, yeah. can can we do this 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 conversation justice and maybe focus in on? On all your strives and your cosanas, because this, I think, we're we're dancing around. The Let's zone in on the, the yeah, suppose the people who are assumed to be good politicians. Listen, for me, Kosana Moyo makes sense. For me, Kosana Moyo makes sense from the aspect where he's a successful businessman who's been in a governance office, right? So he understands the intricacies that come with. I'll give you an example, right? The RBZ. As um, is over, um, it's got too many employees in its books, right? Yeah. More than tens of thousands, right? From a business point of view, tens of thousands. More than tens of thousands of oh. employees within RBZ books, right? Who are in a business case, what a business person would do is retrench them. That is the immediate solution, right? Yeah. And to people who assume you should run an economy like a business, would they stand on the decision? To fire ninety thousand people on the spot. Uh, if as, a, as a business person, yes, of yeah. course. Now, then now from a from a business sense, from a business perspective, it makes sense, right? Yeah. But from a societal aspect, does it? Because in the short term, it means you're making people vulnerable, especially in an economy like this, which doesn't have enough um, central governance money. You're making them vulnerable to social ills, right? Yeah, fair enough. But you. So what I'm trying to show is there's certain um, decisions that go beyond just a business sense, right? So to zone in on the people who are supposedly um, putting their heads into the politics, right? It doesn't... Because a politician, a politician wouldn't make that choice because it's political suicide to, to, to change 90,000 people, not because of the social aspect of it. That's my opinion. I don't think that they would do it because of... I would say it's also political... 
it's any pol- more than a businessman cares. The politician only cares because it affects his his bottom line, which is his votes. I so believe in socially conscious politicians. I'm just saying. I, I mean, I believe in these people. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you say. Okay, okay. So I don't know. In terms of the guys who are supposedly interested in running or who are being touted or just you know who people perceive as they should run, I don't know. Um, obviously, listen from a um governance point of view. It's very hard to argue against someone like Kusanmoy because he's been in both offices. He's been a businessman. He's been in governance, and he's done relatively well in both hats. So you assume he has that the qualities of, or he has the consciousness to be successful, right? In terms of Watchmen, I don't know because for me, to be honest, I'm not a fan of the Watchmen. Um, for me, Watchmen is a pastor. So th- those are number two on my list of people I wouldn't want in as in political office. But anyway, carry on. So yeah, I don't know. In terms of the idea that Strive would make um, Strive Masi would make a good politician, I don't know because I've never seen him or you know been. We they, we don't have enough tangible um, things we can judge him on from a governance point of view, right? From a business point of view, yes, he's successful, but. I don't know. Who knows? He hasn't been in that hat. Now, if you want to be extra analytic in being critical of how he's run his he, business, to a certain extent, sometimes he's made decisions. People who um um on the stock, stock exchange, to a large extent, he's been very shrewd and to an, he's pushed boundaries where some actually argue that he you know, may have screwed over some of his passive shareholders. Who knows? But then at the end of the day, it is also hard to judge someone just from business because in business, to survive, you've got to be aggressive and go there. Does that make him a bad person if he was in public office? Who knows? But the moral of the story, I think See, you can never really say, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 the unfortunate thing is, is we, we, there's arguments on both sides, but you know, we might want a businessman like, like Kosana, but we end up with a Chiangwa. You know, we might want... <laughs> uh, 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 is uh, that a successful uh, uh, businessman? Uh, is that the success? Is Chiangwa a successful businessman? He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a businessman, but my point is, you know, you might want a Warren Buffett, or, but you end up with a Donald Trump is what the point I'm making, is that the mm-hmm. people who attend towards politics as businessmen, in fact, generally, I believe the people who tend towards politics have a certain level of narcissism. And, you know, in business people, narcissism is, you know, and then the narcissism of a politician on top of that you, means you end up with, um, the people who, 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 the business people who want to go into politics are your Chianglas and not necessarily your Masiwas or, or your, or your Yonkosando Moyos. Um, you see, for, uh, you know. for, for me, it's, you know, th- there are no hard and fast rules to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, as you said, end up with a Trump or you can end up with a Macron. And, um, you know, I think one aspect of s- successful business people is which, is not talked about, but you really must have a strong team around you. Yep. I don't think there's anything you can do in this world that you achieve by yourself. Um, yes, you can definitely have the ideas, make the decisions, and a whole bunch, but you have a successful team around you that executes a lot of the ideas that, that it is uh, you put forward. And with business people, I, you know, it's the same thing. If you have a businessman who can come in and, sir, and put in a team that he is going to lead with, I think some of the aspects that you spoke of in terms of social consciousness will come out when you have a public service minister who knows what they're doing and mm-hmm. what they're about their business. When you have a minister of health 
who understands the needs of public health and, and that sort of aspect. So for me, it's then looking at what sort of, how does this person, you know, run their business? What sort of person is this? Are they a team player or are they a, you know, it's all me type thing. I make all the rules. And then you will then get to see what kind of leadership you get to. And I'll again give the example of Macron and Trump. Trump, um, I think it was today, I read something about his cabinet meeting yesterday was all about them, you know, heaping praises on him and yeah. saying we're, <laughs> we're so uh, we're grateful for the opportunity, you've blessed us, and all sorts of things. And these are, you know, his secretaries, of, his, secretaries his ministers are coming to him and um, giving literally, him extra lit- yeah, literally just almost bowing down and to the There was the something guy. quite familiar about it as a Zimbabwean. You, was, <laughs> I've seen pictures of Fat Obed on his knees. Um, <laughs> And I don't know how a man with of such his gargantuan proportions managed to get down on his knees. Wow, 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 wow. Um, but, um, but you're right. All those things, you know, Mugabe is an angel, um, Krimora. This is exactly what was happening to Trump in, I think, more sophisticated words. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other hand, you have Macron. Who, no, no, it wasn't. As this, it was the same. Anzi, Anzi, it's a blessing to serve under you. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then on the other hand, you have French President Macron who said he's coming in, he's going to have a 50-50 uh, gender-balanced cabinet. Um, and, you know, he apply, he uh, he appoints people with the capabilities, pretty much like what, um, um, what's the Canadian, the Canadian guy's Justin name? Trudeau. Yes, Justin Trudeau. What, yes, what Trudeau Justin. did, you know. So he's got, you know, proper qualified people who aren't necessarily politicians, for health ministry, energy, and, you know, all these sort of things. So I, I really don't know. In in the field, for our economy, and I generally think it, for our economy, I generally think it could be a good idea. But I think this applies, this applies regardless of who is, whether you have a politician, a pastor, a teacher, uh, an accountant, you know, a driver as, as president, whoever's running, what at the end of the day, it's the people you surround yourself with and how you interact with those people that can then lead to a successful encompassing. Yeah, my yeah. issue also on my uh, the point I also want to put um, as a bottom line in terms of Zimbabweans assuming that politicians, I mean, successful business people make for good politicians. The truth of the matter, but wait, before yeah. you even say that. Let's actually question this Zimbabweans because we're assuming something here because when if these people run, they're not going to win. No, okay. I'm, I'm swinging from a space where, okay, in WhatsApp groups, in social conversations, okay, it just comes... Yeah. Okay. I was being as superficial as the watchman. <laughs> um, as the watch, the template <laughs> of social media. <laughs> yes. Um, I would say that um, we also have um, an over infatuation with that because to be honest some people we do assume as successful business people in Zimbabwe from a business evaluation point of view are not necessarily successful business people you see what happens in Zim and I won't mention names um, is there's some people who we assume were successful business people but when they were t- on the, during their time as executives or management of certain companies those companies actually flopped right so, but then, unfortunately, they get um, fat paychecks. So what then happens is to the superficial observer or the one who isn't as erudite in terms of evaluating business, you just look at it as, oh, Chris Chenga left um, um, 
such and such group, right? I was probably running down the company. But then because I go out with a fat chick, to the public perception will be he was wildly successful because materially he looks good. So my point is we should also be wary of how we evaluate successful business people. Uh, on that point, there's also something we should evaluate is whether somebody is a businessman in the sense that they own a business and, you know, like strive. Or, an entrepreneur or, 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 yeah, or, an, or an employee. Or an employee because you, you have certain people <laughs> and Kosana was <laughs> mira, mira, CEO of, tisa tenda, of Standard Charter. Sorry, tisa tenda kure, um, erudite means uh, having and showing great knowledge to our listeners on one movie. But anyway, yeah, so you have Ngosana who, who is CEO of uh, Stanchart, I believe. Um, and, you know, he worked for the World Bank, he worked for uh, AFDB as well. But I don't believe he actually, well, I don't know, I, could, I stand corrected on this one. But I don't, you know, see, I don't think he had a business even that compares to Econet. If he yep. did, we'd know about it. So there's also that aspect as well when you're thinking about it is you see somebody who is a CEO but he doesn't actually own the business. You know, he's an employee at the end of the day. So that's just another aspect. I don't know if you have anything else to add, Henry. Um, not on that. I think that, um, uh, you know, what's the actual, the main natural... Uh, know limitation to all of these people and all of these candidates is that at the end of the day you know the one drawback that they will all have is a, is a lack of political legitimacy and that's actually the most important thing mm-hmm. is their skills and everything on society is that to to get everything to get anything done particularly in the parliamentary democracy or constitutional democracy like ours where you are eventually going to have to consensus consensus builds if the system is working well um, without political legitimacy, you can get very little done, even on an international scale. So, you know, one has to always consider: can they parlay their 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 business acumen or their business cred- credentials into into that legitimacy? And you know, you can have, and that argument can go either way. You can have a look at someone like Strive and say, internationally, he's very well recognized and well respected. So maybe on the international stage, he certainly will. But would he be able to command a, a room? cabinet ministers or of, of, of war veterans or of, um, mm-hmm. of army generals, I don't know. Um, and that's probably the biggest drawback And um, for someone who wants to do something in the country is that lack of political legitimacy. So at the end of the day, vote wisely. Uh, vote for people with political legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, look at you putting out your own um, advice and warnings. Uh, Watchman part two. I'm not a watchman. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm the watcher. I, th- I think I think yeah, no, that that's a very uh, good aspect to put about it is that you know at the end of the day it is politics, and you know are you able to play the politics? If yes, then you know that adds to it. If no, then you're going to fall by the wayside. Um, our time has come to a a good point to end the show. I think maybe um, we can have the discussion. I think it'll be interesting to hear what people say. Um, so if you um, are on Twitter, hit us up. Uh, my Twitter handle. Maybe is... maybe we should re- release a. Uh, you should release a. A, um, uh, a poll before before the episode goes out. Maybe in the next day, and then people can listen to the episode and see what how the poll compares. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, that would be dope actually. So um, yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Chris Charamba, um, Chris Charamba on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you can find me. Um, and yeah, definitely we'll have this discussion with more people. We'll have this discussion in the group as well. Henry mentioned the WhatsApp group. Um, check it out our, our Facebook page at Politics and Beyond Beyond Poly ZW. Um, we'll also ask the question there and see what people say. Chris, thank you for being here. Where can people find you online? Um, on Twitter at Chris Chenga. Um, my Facebook is private, so please don't bother. <laughs> and um, do you have anything else you want to plug? Any shows? Any 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 of no. your columns? Anything that you want people to, to be aware of? And uh, they... the only thing I'd like to plug is I really like politics and beyond um especially not just the show itself but the platforms in which you offer engagement such as your whatsapp group which i encourage your listeners to get on there because the conversation is quite stimulating however it's contained within good quality and in good um demeanor we've actually had some interesting things happen in the whatsapp group of late um yes this guy was zero that chap <laughs> yeah, no. Um, to everyone, get on this WhatsApp group. Um, it's it's a good platform, and um, we do post up the episodes there, um, for download, so you can send them to your grandmothers and Dotito and everything, because mm. that's where we need to be listened to. And yeah, um, thanks for listening. I'm Henry Beatty, and uh, this is uh, Capital Two Six Free. Free to say it. Free to do it. And now. And now. Capital 263.